Christmas! Welcome to Ill-Equipped History, where two super ill-equipped best friends tell you about history. I'm Morgan. Hey! hey. And this is hi. Emily. Hi. <laughs> I just want to say hi a lot today. <laughs> She's so eager, you guys. Yay! It's the Christmas season! It's the most wonderful, wonderful time. time. Of the year. Don't copyright. I, listen, I am here for Halloween, but Christmas is my fucking jam. I am a happy little elf right now. (laughs) (laughs) I am so happy. I got all the Christmas decorations up a couple days before Thanksgiving, and then we finally got our Christmas tree yesterday and because it's a real tree you're supposed to let that sit for you know overnight and let the branches fall and stuff so i did that and while the kids were at school today i put up 90 percent of the ornaments at least all the important ones that go up top because mm-hmm. i'm going to venture and try not to have a gate around the tree this year oh. so we'll see how that works pray for me you'll be in my thoughts good vibes thank you We've already yeah. broken one ornament. It's been less than 24 hours. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Yay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yesterday, I put up my $20 tree I got from Five Below. Nice. <laughs> nice. So it's a little Charlie Brownie tree. Um, we had to do some finagling to get it look a little bit more, more full. Um, whereas I... It's against my wall, and I, like, moved a lot of the branches, like, forward so they could, like, fill up, like, the front. But it's, yeah. like, flat in the back because of it. Oh, no! But, I mean, you can't tell. <laughs> it's against a wall. Like, it's, you can't tell. It's I definitely couldn't tell. Um, I get really picky when it comes to the trees because I figure if we're going to get a new one every year, I'm going to get what I want. And, but we go... This is the weirdest thing. The cheapest and the best place to get Christmas trees in the town that I live in is Food Lion for some reason. They're $60 and they look way better than the ones at Lowe's. Now, it's kind of sad because when we first moved into our house, they used to be $35 a tree. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's so they've gone up a in bit. like six, seven years. They've gone up that much, which sucks. But when I was a kid, um, there is actually a place not too far from where you live now that it was a Christmas tree farm in yeah. that area, and we used to go every single year when like my grandparents would get real trees, mm-hmm. and that's just like a very distinct memory I have is going. With my grandparents picking out a tree, my opinion never mattered. It was always my papa's opinion yeah. <laughs> that mattered. Um, and my grandma's to an extent, but mostly my papa. And he always got really great trees. But I was like, I like that one because it's my height. Or I like that one because it's real tall and skinny. And he'd be like, you're <laughs> trash at picking out Christmas trees. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was like five. So. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been to a tree farm, but I would probably be twice as obnoxious at a tree farm because my poor husband 
bless him, he walks around and he holds up all the trees and he turns them around for me to look at. And then we both stare at it for a while. And then we ask the kids and they, because they're four and six, have shit, shit opinions on trees. Mm-hmm. But we go through like all the trees on both sides and then, but he, he, he's a trooper. He holds them all up and he's like, well, what about this one? And what about this one? <laughs> Until I get what I want, which is the biggest, fluffiest tree I can find mm-hmm. that fits under our roof. So, <laughs> yeah. And you know what? We'll be talking a lot about. Well, a little bit about Christmas trees today. Yeah. Because in this episode, we're talking about the history of Christmas. Christmas, Christmas time is here. Okay, I'll stop. I can't, though. <laughs> Don't copyright us. Don't. I swear I'll try to stop singing all the carols. Okay. Are you ready to get into our Christmas kit? Yes. It's the early 1600s in colonial New England. A small village is preparing for Christmas festivities. You know, Christmas is about the one thing I can look forward to each winter. After months of freezing and starving half to death, it's nice to be able to spend time with my loved ones and celebrate the birthday of Jesus. You said it. I heard the preacher got a nice new Bible to read from. My mother knitted me a new scarf, and I'm going to wear that as well. Are you free to come over and play cards later? My husband got me a new deck of cards, and I can't wait to kick your butt in some poker. A commotion arises in the village square as Puritan leadership marches in. Attention, attention. As you know, we Puritans have moral and religious superiority over everyone else here in the New World. And I, as the governor of this colony, have decreed that the festivities attributed to Christmas, the drinking, the merriment, the gambling, are hereby banned. There will be no further celebrations of Christmas from this moment on. What? Come on, man! You can't do that! It's like the one thing we have to look forward to during the bleak winter season! Come now, you all know the point of the Bible is to be interpreted literally. There is no mention of Christmas nor these traditions anywhere in the Bible. And if it doesn't exist in the Bible, it doesn't exist out here. No! This is bullshit! No fair! I wanted to play cards! You suck! But sir, how are we supposed to celebrate the birth of our savior? Yeah, it's the reason for the season. And beer tastes good! Oh, very well. You may sit in quiet reflection and pray as often as you want during the day of his birth. But absolutely no festivities. I hate this guy. Yeah, so this is a fictional guy um, that I created for my skit to kind of convey a true event that happened in the in America in the early 1600s, um, and also in England at around the same time. So 
Yeah, the Puritans were not about celebrating Christmas. That's just sad. Yeah, and they had their reasons for it, um, which I'll get into a little bit later. But today we're talking about the history of Christmas! So, as we know, Christmas is celebrated around the world. Different cultures have their own celebrations of Christmas. And I'm just going to say it would be impossible for me to cover every single tradition of every single culture. I mean, it's even different Mm -hmm. within families. You know, the way that you celebrate Christmas, Emily, is going to be a little bit different from the way that I celebrate Christmas with my family. So I will be covering just kind of broad Mm -hmm. traditions, broad customs. I'm not going to be able to get into the nuance of every single tradition. And there are lots of them. Because Christmas is really old. Yeah. (laughs) So this will be more of a broad look on how Christmas has evolved over time to how it's celebrated today. So part one, the origins of Christmas. And I get into this a little bit later, but not everyone who celebrates Christmas is religious or Christian. But the foundation of Christmas is from Christian roots. The foundation of Christmas is the story of the birth of Jesus Christ, who is the savior in Christianity. He is the the Messiah. He is born to save right. the human race. That's a very, very brief overview of Jesus in Christianity. So the story of uh, Jesus' birth is called the Nativity. So I'll be going and I'll go into this just briefly. The story of the nativity is a virgin girl named Mary was chosen by God to bear his son. Mary's fiance, Joseph, was outraged at hearing that she was chosen to bear God's son. But an angel came to him, said, be not afraid, and said that this was ordained by God. So Mary and Joseph then traveled to Bethlehem because they had to be part of a census that, like, Bethlehem was Joseph's hometown, and they had to be present for the census. But when they got there, all the hotels and inns were full. And by this point, a very, very pregnant Mary needs a place to stay. And so they are offered a stable. And Mary gives birth in the stable and a bright star shone for all to see. And Jesus was born. So that's a very brief summary of the nativity. Very concise, though. I like it. Thank you. I'm sure... Even if you don't practice Christianity, I'm sure most people Mm -hmm. know the story. But again, it's foundational to Christmas. Part two. Why December 25th? So how December 25th became associated with Christmas and the birth of Jesus Christ is debated by historians. So I remember, and I don't know if you've heard this, is that it was kind of chosen to override pagan customs that were going on at the time. I have heard that, yes. Based on my research, that's not entirely true. Okay. So we're going to get into that. So December 25th, it was the date of the winter solstice, generally. Mm -hmm. It fell within Dies Natalis Solis Invicti, or the birthday of the sun god in the Roman Empire. So early Christians linked Jesus with not the sun god, but like with the sun, with light he's the light that that shines upon this world and also i thought this was interesting the southern or winter solstice was associated with jesus and the northern or summer solstice was associated with john the baptist and john the baptist was another major character in christianity mythology he baptized jesus you know 
He was very important. Okay. So December 25th is also nine months after March 25th, which is considered the date of Jesus's conception and the spring equinox. Ah. So that's kind of the date where that's like considered the date of the conception. Um, Stephen Hidgemans from the University University of Alberta noted that the early church did select December 25th as a date for Christmas because of the solstice, most likely. But other pagan customs and celebrations did not factor into this choice. Those kind of practices came later. Okay. So the earliest known celebration of Christmas was performed in Antioch, Jerusalem in 376 AD. I'm sorry. Oh, that's a long time ago. <laughs> it's really old. And it actually, it took a while for it to be accepted by Christians. Uh-huh. Um, and it was celebrated first in like the quote unquote Western world before moving to the quote unquote Eastern world. Okay. So the author Coneyberry, I don't know if I said that right, writes that an Armenian text describes Christmas being celebrated in Constantinople in 373 AD. So six or three years before, like, the first known celebration. Um, and there's evidence that December 25th was celebrated not necessarily as Christmas, but as the birth of Jesus in 366 AD. So about 10 years prior. Okay. But it's not super clear. Like, there's not a lot of records that's like, yes, this is the, we, this we can prove is the date of Jesus's birth. Right. Like, that's not really what happened. It's more like the date was, like, thought to be the date of the birth. And then over time, Christians were like, okay, let's start celebrating this date. Right. Um, And it also happens to fall upon the solstice because... I mean, you you can't really fault them for that because if you don't have any records, if you don't have anything to go off of, you know, you're kind of puzzling this together you're like well if it takes nine months and then he was conceived in march if we know that then it it, math right like the solstice is important as well as because that is when the days start becoming longer right during the winter solstice so it's like also kind of brought in that symbolism of like the light is coming back into the world jesus is very highly associated with light so I think it's a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But again, like those pagan customs didn't really start being attributed to the celebration of Christmas until a little, not much later, but later than when people were like, okay, yes, December 25th is the birth, the date of birth of Jesus Christ. Right. From what I could find in my research. And in the East, like Eastern Europe, Northeastern Africa, Asia, etc., Christmas is actually celebrated on January 6th. And that correlates with Jesus's baptism rather than his birth. Uh, and that's known as Epiphany. Okay. Like I said, celebrators of Christmas do not start borrowing pagan customs until the mid-4th century. So, like, probably late mid-4th century. So, like, late 300s. Okay. It was an extremely religious holiday held in great reverence. It coincided with other festivals. And over time, it started borrowing those traditions, starting with Roman traditions like Saturnalia. Um, and that is a big one that people are like, it stole from Saturnalia. I w- again, I wouldn't say it stole. The, these, both of these holidays were occurring at the same time within Rome. Mm-hmm. So I think they just kind of naturally started commingling with each yeah. other. 
And Saturnalia is a festival that honors the god Saturn. And everyone at this time was on equal footing. Like, masters would provide services to their slaves. Okay. You know, like, everyone was equal during Saturnalia. Um, And Saturnalia was celebrated from December 17th to the 24th. December 25th was Brunalia, which was a solstice feast. And then Sigillaria. And that was like a gift exchange. Okay. And like I said, this is kind of explaining why it's two different dates. So most Christmas celebrations are on December 25th of the Gregorian calendar, which is the most commonly adopted yearly calendar. That's the calendar that we're on. Okay. But some Eastern customs follow the Julian calendar. I think like Greek Orthodox and some other like Eastern cultures follow the Julian calendar. Um, and Christmas still falls on t- December 25th on that calendar, but it corresponds with January 7th on the Gregorian calendar. Okay. Got it. So, but they also know it's January 7th. I don't, I don't know. And I think also like some cultures that follow the Gregorian calendar still celebrate Christmas on the 7th, um, January 7th, because again, it's very complicated. Different cultures have their different right. practices. So part four, you know, I actually didn't number I was these. just thinking. Go ahead. It would honestly, just from a consumerism standpoint nowadays, it would be cheaper to celebrate Christmas on January 7th because then everything's on sale. <laughs> right. New tradition. And we, <laughs> Save me money. <laughs> and I will cover the, the capitalism of Christmas at the uh, end. You can't not cover the <laughs> capitalism of Christmas. Yeah. So this is part three. So what does Christmas mean? Uh, Christmas is derived from Christ's mass. And the earliest etymology of Christmas comes from the Greek Christos, which is translated from the Hebrew word Messiah, Mm -hmm. meaning anointed. And mass coming from the Latin Missa, meaning the celebration of the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. So it's like the Christ's Supper. But also, it's like the birth of Christ. I don't... Yeah. I don't know. Nativity comes from the Latin word nativitas, which means birth. Um, Yule, which I'll get into Yule in just a second. But Yule refers to this time in December and January. Okay. Um, And Christmas is also known as Yuletide or Yule. Right. And then Noel is from Old French, which is from the Latin natalis. And I meant to write what that meant, but it it's also like birth. So it's kind of like, what does it literally mean? Yeah. How, where does the word Christmas come from? Um, so part four, Christmas throughout the ages. It's definitely shifted a lot. In the Middle Ages, Christmas was like a carnival. It was a big party and there were feasts, nativity pageants, gift giving, decorations, which I'll get into a little bit later. But for now, we're going to start with Yule. So uh, Yule is, um, it's an early Germanic as far as like Anglo-Saxon and Norse people. They celebrated Yule, which was a winter festival. And honestly, like I didn't do a super deep dive into Yule because this just Christmas by itself is already like 10 pages. Yeah. Um, But I definitely think we can do a deeper dive into like Saturnalia, into Yule, into the different Oh, that would be cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe next year, next Christmas. 
Um, so some key pieces of Yule are the Yule log, mm-hmm. and it's a special log that is burned. The Yule boar, which is a sacrifice on Yule. There's the Yule goat. Um, it's another symbol of Yule. It may have started as a tribute to Thor. Okay. No. The Norse god Odin also had ties to Yule, and he was called the Yule One or the Yule Father in Old Norse texts. And in the Christmas Carol, shares similarities with the Slavic koleda, where groups of people go from house to house and sing songs. So the koleda is like Yule. So basically, Christmas caroling. Yeah. yeah. Yep. The early Middle Ages. So there is something called the Aryan controversy in the fourth century so a lot of stuff happens in like the fourth century seriously (laughs) but between two theologians from egypt about the nature of jesus christ like the relationship between god and jesus and their roles in christianity i again i didn't go super deep into i started reading about it and my brain started going bleep so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, a lot of back and forth about it but anyway after this controversy happened christmas wasn't really celebrated extensively oh what was celebrated was epiphany in the east and western christianity predominantly fixated on the magi or the three wise men who came to visit jesus after he was born a lot of lot of stuff about the magi what did they carry again Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. myrrh. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Also around this time, Advent became a concept. Okay. And, you know, we have Advent calendars. So Advent is the 40 days before Christmas, known as the 40 days of St. Martin. And former Saturnalian customs were celebrated during Advent. Around the 12th century, these customs further morphed into the 12 days of Christmas. So it's like 12 days of Advent, 12 days of Christmas. And that can be seen as the 12 days leading up to Christmas or the 12 days between December 25th and January 5th, which is um, like the 12 holy days. Oh, I always wondered why everyone was hung up on like 12 days of Christmas when it's the 25th. So Mm -hmm. that makes sense. The space between those two. Well, I mean, let's be honest. The days between, at least in modern times, Christmas and like New Year's, or I guess the seventh, that's that's the modern no man's land. That is, you don't yeah. know what day it is. You don't know what time it is. Are you hungry? Are you not hungry? No one mm. knows. No one knows. You're just having a good time. You loaf about and just yes. eat too much. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is the, the reason for the season is food. I'm just yes. <laughs> Um, so also during the Middle Ages, um, Charlemagne was crowned emperor on December 25th, 800 AD, and this repopular, repopularized, yeah, I don't think I'm saying that right, Christmas. (laughs) We got what you're saying. (laughs) Um, So everyone's like, oh, Charlemagne was crowned on Christmas, let's start celebrating Christmas again. Okay. After that, it really started picking up a bit. In the 13th century, a Christmas feast thrown by Henry III, was absolutely enormous. 600 oxen were eaten at this feast. That's a lot. That's too many. That's a lot of oxen. And then, like, universities, because there were universities in the 13th century in England, they would name a Christmas king or a king of beans. (laughs) (laughs) King of beans! King of beans! 
Okay, listen, I knew that the English liked their beans, their beans on toast. I didn't know that that the waters ran that deep on the love of beans. <laughs> they love their beans. I mean, I love beans. They too, declared so. a king of beans. I want to be queen of beans. <laughs> you can be queen of beans. Thank you. <laughs> I'll make you a bean crown. Ooh, it'll just be a a can of Bush's baked beans taped to a headband. But it'll be your crown. <laughs> that would be so heavy. <laughs> just. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> can it be the big, like, not a, like, 16-ounce can or 32-ounce can, the big fat one just right on the top of yeah. my head? Okay. Yeah. Can I have the straws coming out of the cans and <laughs> suck the beans? Sure. <laughs> sure. Sure. Like, uh, that SpongeBob episode with the hat, he was number one. <laughs> The queen of beans. <laughs> she was number one. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Uh, back to Christmas. <laughs> so by the 1400s, Christmas was a grand time. Yule boars were scented pieces of feasts. Carol- caroling started becoming popular. And a concept called misrule or just overall sinful behavior was a big part of the Christmas festival. So like the drinking, the the merriment, the the gambling, the raucousness, like that was misrule. Man, that's my life. I mean, I don't gamble, but it was just a big party essentially. That sounds fun. Ivy, holly and other evergreens were incorporated into the Christmas festival as well. Christmas markets appeared around the 1550s in Germany, and they offered gifts, food, and household tools. And Germany still does Christmas markets. I'm sure a lot of places do Christmas markets. I kind of went to one this past weekend. Well, that sounds fun. Um, It was really cool. Uh, By the 17th century, amazing feasts and Christmas pageants were common. And then during the Protestant Reformation, it always comes back to the Protestant Reformation. It's always the Protestant Reformation. The practice of gift giving was attributed to Jesus or the Christ child or the Christ Kindle. Yeah. I'm sure you'll that'll come up in your episode when you get to that. Um, and yeah. then the date of gift giving changed from December 6th, which I couldn't find why it was December 6th, uh, to Christmas Eve. Okay. So after the Protestant Reformation, <clears throat> different sects of Christianity emerged and they each had their own way to celebrate Christmas. Um, so Martin Luther changed Christmas to something that would be later copied in North America. So Germany had a huge influence on how we celebrate Christmas. They yeah. started the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that did evolve from pagan traditions of decorating with tree branches. Um, so it was called Tannenbaum. And they would decorate pine trees with candles and gifts. Um, and that didn't really start becoming more global until like the 1800s. When Queen Victoria, when she was still a princess, married Prince Albert, who was German, and they started celebrating German Christmases in the British royal family, and then it started becoming popular. And then Advent wreaths, nutcrackers, and Christmas markets were all started by Germany as well. 
Can you imagine the fire hazard of having candles on your Christmas tree? I can imagine how many fires happened until like fuse boxes were invented. Yeah, let me just put this dead ass tree in my house and then put a flame on it. In my wood house, most likely. (laughs) Woo! That was not a statistic I looked up because this is about Christmas. Good. That's right. PSA. uh, Fiery death. Keep keep your real trees watered so they don't dry out and catch on fire. There we go. (laughs) Yes. And I did watch on Mythbusters, modern Christmas lights are designed to not catch fire. They will short before they catch fire. Thank God. Yeah. So, because I think, like, in each strand, there's a fuse, and that fuse will blow. So, um, they really tried. They really tried to set things on fire with modern Christmas lights, and they were not able to. So. (laughs) Good. Honestly, thank God. They had, like, a brown, like, crispy, crispy, dry Christmas tree, and they could not get it to catch fire with modern lights. So, you would have to use, like, industrial incandescent, like, LED bulbs. But you wouldn't, it would not have, never be in a situation that would be in real life anyway. Like, you couldn't even look yeah. at the thing. It was so bright. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway. There was a star at the nativity, so, like, might yeah. as well make it as bright as one. Yeah. And actually, that's why we have stars on Christmas trees, um, which I'll oh. get into in a moment. So, Puritans in England banned Christmas in 1647. And it was actually like, I don't know if you remember, because it also always comes back to the Jacobites, but there was an English civil war that broke out. Right. Mm -hmm. In like around this time. So Puritans banned Christmas. One source I read said that the banning of Christmas led to this, like, not just the banning of Christmas, but it was one of the things that led to the civil war. Ah. I mean, I would revolt. So. And it was reinstated in 1660, which is when Charles II came back onto the throne and the monarchy okay. was reestablished. But apparently when it was banned, riots broke out and one form of protest was playing English football. And that had also been banned. And I just think that's funny. And it comes back to your episode a little bit where... We played, they played football. Yeah. On Christmas. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. During this time, Anglicans sought to celebrate religious customs during the Christmas season. So they were different from the Puritans. They they did want to celebrate, um, but more more focused on like the religious aspects, not so much like the festivities and the merriment, but right. more like the, the worship. The Presbyterian majority in Scotland banned Christmas from 1637 to 1690, and it didn't become a public holiday in Scotland until 1871. Wow. So it was like kind of celebrated, but it like people didn't have off for the day until 1871. In North America, Christmas had been banned by the Puritans here as well, much to the chagrin of the non-Puritan people living there. So and that's kind of like what I was touching upon in my skit a little bit. Yeah. um, A lot of the Puritans, they were very educated. And a lot of them held positions of power. and But not everyone living in New England and, like, in Massachusetts right. were Puritan. So, but they And you know what's stuff. crazy is that we, you know, left England to have the right 
religious freedom, you know, and now all of a sudden the Puritans are like, oh, no, no, you can't do that because I don't want you to do that. Well, and it's kind of, I was actually reading about, like, the Puritans and, like, Puritans and pilgrims were different. Like, a lot of people think they're the same. The pilgrims were fed up with the Church of England and they wanted to do things their way. Right. And, like, form a separate church. While the pil- the Puritans were, like, still con- – they considered themselves still within the Church of England, but they wanted to redo it from the inside. They became a lot more authoritative. Yeah. So, yeah. It was, like, we want religious freedom, but it's our religious freedom, you know. And they interpreted the Bible very literally. And if it was not in the Bible, they did not – want anything to do with it so they followed the bible very literally and it really governed a lot of their laws and stuff and their customs well they weren't allowed to do anything fun because it's not in the bible they weren't even they didn't even like have prayer books because prayer books weren't in the bible like it was all Oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember that source I was reading. It was, like, they did congregational worship, which was more, like, oh. reflective, more – it wasn't like they were – it wasn't like when we think of congregation now where it's, like, the entire church, like, all together, worshiping together. It was more, like, intimate and, like, personal. Yeah. And, like, you would read the Bible, but, again, like, you weren't using it for, like, allegories. You weren't using it to, like, influence – like kind of your morals it was like this is being taken literally wow and like there's no hymns no yeah nothing so it was banned from 1659 to 1681 so about 22 years christmas Mm -hmm. was banned in north america by the puritans the pennsylvania dutch on the other hand freely and enthusiastically celebrated christmas at the time and again like the dutch they have like some german influences yeah. So, and I think they... That makes sense. They didn't celebrate Yule, but it was, like, similar. So, they had a great time. During the American Revolution, celebrating Christmas dwindled as it was seen as being too English. Um, and it really wasn't celebrated in the U.S. until after the Civil War. And in Congress made Christmas a federal holiday in 1870, and it was the first federal holiday. Okay. Uh, As more immigrants came to the U.S. in the late 1800s, different Christmas traditions began intermingling with one another. Mm -hmm. In the early 1800s, the meaning of Christmas shifted to not only the celebration of the birth of Jesus, but helping those less fortunate. It was a time of being with family and goodwill. In the 1820s, Washington Irving published stories about Christmas, including the sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon Gentleman. Um, and that has, that was really big and like getting the family oriented, like framework for Christmas. Yeah. In 1822, Clement Clark Moore wrote a visit from St. Nicholas, which later became known for its first line, "'Twas the night before Christmas. And it was after this poem that spoke about gift exchanging what there's concern about the commercialization of Christmas. <laughs> so it's been a concern <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. And I already, already stated this fact in 1832 after Princess Victoria um, married Albert. Christmas trees started becoming more popular. In 1833, William Sandy published Christmas Carols Ancient and Modern and released a book of Christmas carols containing songs such as The First Noel, 
Hark the Herald Angel Sing, and God Yes, Rusty Mary Gentlemen. We still sing those today. And when was that published? In 1833. Jeez. And it was in a book titled Christmas Carols Ancient and Modern. And I think I go into a little more about when some Christmas carols were written. But some of them are very old. In 1843, Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol, which further helped this shift as being one of Christmas being goodwill, kindness, more family and child-oriented. Saying Merry Christmas became really popular during this time because of A Christmas Carol. And this is kind of funny. uh, The same year, the first commercial Christmas card was created by Sir Henry Cole, who was a British inventor. Ah. An illustration of the British royal family with her Christmas tree was published in the Illustrated London News in 1848 and later in Godey's Ladies Book in 1850. And by the 1870s, it was common practice in America to put up a Christmas tree. And glass ornaments started being manufactured in the 1850s. That is so long ago. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This is like the one like poopy thing about the whole thing. So the Nazis tried changing Christmas into a non-Christian celebration of the Third Reich. Could they disrespectfully fuck off? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, go away. And there, there's been a couple instances of that happening. Like, during the Soviet Union, it was a very atheistic mm-hmm. country. So yeah. the celebration of Christmas there was really not done um and it still hasn't really caught on yet as much in russia even though the ussr has been dissolved for over 30 years now yeah and then in china a lot of christmas has been very heavily discouraged um and a lot of like Mm. like symbolism for christmas like christmas trees and stuff like that are removed So Christmas isn't really celebrated in the People's Republic of China anymore either. And then up until the 1950s, Christmas was really only celebrated by the upper classes in the UK. During the 1950s is when families of all kinds really began celebrating in the more modern sense. And that was more of like people could afford to celebrate Christmas. They could take time off work. Like the prosperity of the 1950s in the UK really allowed all people to start celebrating it as they wanted to. So I think this is part five. I actually didn't number my headings, but (laughs) Christmas Eve. So Christmas Eve is also a very important part of celebrating Christmas in multiple cultures around the world. In some areas, it's considered the true night of Jesus's birth, and that's why it's referred to as the Holy Night. Oh. Like silent night, holy night. It's Christmas Eve. Holy night. (laughs) And some cultures unwrap presents on Christmas Eve rather than Christmas Day. Some Western religious traditions, Christmas Eve is considered the vigil of the nativity. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that comes with a fast. A lot of cultures still fast, or they did um, historically. Midnight Mass is held in many churches. So there'll be, especially in the Catholic Church, there'll be a Mass held at midnight on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. In the Philippines, this is converted into a nine-day custom called Simbangabi, where Filipinos will attend Mass around 4 a.m. every morning from December 16th to the December 24th. That's very early. It's very early. 
Um, and in some practices, it isn't seen as Christmas Eve so much as it's seen as the last day of Advent. Okay. More, more of the traditional sense. Yeah. And in Eastern religious traditions, um, and a lot of this I saw referred to like Orthodox traditions traditions like greek orthodox etc christmas eve is known as paramony or the preparation the final day of the nativity fast is on christmas eve which is broken as the first star of the evening is seen and that is like representative of the star of bethlehem Mm -hmm. lots of parallels and on to the crucifixion and resurrection of jesus like the infant jesus will be clothed similarly um Instead of being in a manger, the little baby figurine will be on a stone to represent, like, the slab that he was rest upon, stuff like that. No meat or dairy products are consumed in some Orthodox cultures, and that's part of the fast. Uh, Divine liturgy is a celebration of the Eucharist, and it's held until December 29th, and on the 29th is a celebration of the Holy Innocence in reference to the slaying of the young boys during by King Herod. Uh, um, and if yes. you don't know that story, it's after Jesus was born, King Herod heard that the Messiah had come and he ordered the slaying of all infant boys under the age of two. Yeah. And that's known as the Massacre of the Innocents. In most cultures, it's believed or believed that Santa brings presents on Christmas Eve. Uh, yeah. During the Protestant Reformation, the Christ child was a deliverer of gifts. And some gifts are given on December 6th, which is a date from antiquity. Again, I couldn't find a lot about why December 6th specifically. Others, it's on Christmas Eve. And others, it's Christmas Day. And others, it's a combination of some kind of the three. Yeah. You know, again, a lot of different cultures. Like I saw like a list. It's like in some places they do on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. On some cultures, it's Christmas. It's December 6th and Christmas Eve. And I was just like, okay, that's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And also, I saw this little note. So, American Jews have had mm-hmm. to come up with activities to occupy their time during Christmas Eve and Christmas Day when a lot of businesses are closed. Because they don't celebrate Christmas. Right. So, they're like, well, what are we supposed to do with most of the country closed for this holiday we yeah. do not celebrate? So, it was kind of like, it kind of became a tradition. Some areas where they'd go to Chinese restaurants and then to the movies because those places are always open on Christmas Day <laughs> and Christmas Eve. But now, I think since the 1980s, there is like Jewish specific like parties that go on. And one's called the matzo ball, which is really funny because That's a matzo cool. ball is like a, a dumpling. Um, <laughs> but it's called a matzo ball. And so this big party and it's celebrated in New York. Boca Raton, Los Angeles, Boston, Miami, and Washington, D.C. Um, it looks like a lot of fun. I went to the website and it was like, who's ready for Matsu Ball 2023? <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Might as well have a party. Right. Have your own little celebrations on this day where everything else is closed. Part six, I think. I've lost count. Christmas traditions around the world. So again, this is just you this is not a comprehensive list (laughs) i can't do that we're already at almost an hour we literally don't have time yeah we literally don't have time for that so finland has a celebration called the christmas peace and it's uh, the official start of the christmas season historically it takes place in the finnish capital turku 
on the balcony of the Brincala Mansion since 1886. But the Christmas Peace Declaration dates back to the 13th century. Okay. It's a formal announcement of Christmas, and any law breaking is susceptible to harsher punishments during this time. It's held every year with only a few exceptions. So between 1712 and 1721, when Finland was under, was being occupied by the Russians. Right. During the militia strike of 1912 and during the Winter War of 1939. Okay. Those are the only times the Christmas peace was not held. It was even held during the COVID-19 pandemic, but there was no audience. Oh, okay. It was just announced and televised, I believe. So this is a transcript of the declaration drafted from memory after the original was lost to a fire. Literally, there was like a secretary that was like, I remember what it said. Oh, no. This is this is this. So this is the, the Christmas peace declaration. Tomorrow, God willing, is a graceful celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior. And thus is declared a peaceful Christmas time to all by advising devotion and to behave otherwise quietly and peacefully. Because he who breaks his peace and violates the peace of Christmas by any illegal or improper behavior shall under aggravating circumstances be guilty and punished according to what the law and statutes prescribe for each and every offense separately. Finally, a joyous Christmas feast is wished to all inhabitants of the city. So wow. do not get in trouble during Christmas peace or you will be... so severely punished basically don't fuck around and you won't find out yeah exactly okay cool i like a good little threat with my christmas festivities yeah i love it (laughs) that's that's what you need for christmas right in guatemala on december 7th uh guatemalans gather in their towns for la la cuerna del diablo yeah or the burning of the devil Okay. So this this has been practiced since the 17th century, and the town will burn a devil effigy that basically cleanses the community of evil. Firecrackers and devil costumes are really popular. And then after the effigy is burned in that evening, people will come together. They'll eat buñuelos, which I hope I said that right. It's a donut. Mm-hmm. Um, and drink warm fruit punch. I want this. I know. See, I, I've known Guatemalans. Um, I've worked with Guatemalans, and I've never seen them celebrate the Cuerna del Diablo. And I'm, I'm like, why not? Yeah. So if you're out there, invite us. <laughs> we want to come. So I did, I did see this, and I, I know what I said earlier about China and like their, the, everything going on with that. Most, the most recent I saw was like 2018. Okay. They were kind of cracking down on Christmas, so this. Was probably a little bit older, but in Mandarin Chinese, Christmas Eve is called Ping An Ye. I hope I said that right. Or mm-hmm. Peaceful Night. And people exchange apples because apple is a rhyming pun of peace in Mandarin. Oh, I love that. I, I couldn't tell you what it is. It showed like the characters and I'm like, I don't know what that means. Um, but there it's like a pun. Okay. In Germany, like I said, Advent calendars are really big. Germany goes all out for Christmas. The Inuit call Christmas Eve Quivia Sukvik, and it's their New Year. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then in Cuba, a roasted pig is the center point of a Christmas Eve feast. Mm. It's believed 
to date back from the 1400s. So the pig is roasted below hot coals and many side dishes are served like black beans, white rice, and yucca con mojo, which is a marinated yucca or cassava. Cassava. I found uh, an article, or not an article, I found a piece about different Christmas Eve meals around the world. Ooh. So in Bulgaria, they eat sarma, which is stuffed grape leaves, bob chorba, or bean soup. They have fortune cravai, which is a pastry with a fortune in it. Ooh. Um, stuffed peppers, nuts, dried fruit, boiled wheat, and then wine or rakia, which is a traditional fruit spirit. Give me that. Well, that sounds amazing. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of these customs I'm going to talk about kind of fall into the no eating meat um, because it's a fast. Okay. And some some cultures will fast completely and then other cultures will just refrain from eating meat or dairy products. So it de- I guess it depends okay. on the level of intensity. So in the Czech Republic, they usually observe a fast on Christmas Eve or they don't eat meat which dates back from medieval times. Okay. Um, Dinner is usually baked or fried carp and potato salad. And then Christmas morning they eat, I meant to look this up, venoshka or sweet braided bread. (sighs) Give me all the pastries. I'm so here for the Mm -hmm. pastries. Uh, A bunch of countries like France, Belgium, Brazil, Romania, Canada, and in New Orleans, they celebrate something called Revelion which is the long dinner. And it's this super luxurious high-end dinner that lasts all night long until light. So it starts like Christmas Eve night and extends all the way until Christmas morning. Okay, listen, vote to go see Sarah for Christmas this year in New Orleans. Raising my (laughs) hand right now. (laughs) The long dinner. We're coming for (laughs) you. In Italy, they have the Feast of the Seven Fishes. And that's after 24 hours of fasting. And in this case, it's no meat. But it's a very traditional feast of the seven fishes. Okay. Um, and I saw, oh, what was it? It was a cooking show. I think it was on PBS or something. And I don't remember. But it was this, um, it was like a cooking competition where these people were like making traditional meals and they were serving it to like the other competitors fam like the family members of all the competitors were like around a table and they were served the food one by one and they would yeah. like judge like blind judging the foods i think that's what this was and they did a feast of the seven fishes meal because it's a traditional italian meal and it was fish served seven different ways oh so there was like like um, filleted like roasted baked fish there was like fish balls there was fish soup um so it's a bunch of like different little ways to eat fish which i thought was really cool that is really cool and then in venezuela there they have halacas which is like a meat and corn dumpling that has indigenous origins mm. origins um they have panettone which is a sweet bread or fruit cake ponche crema which is an alcoholic eggnog. And then they also have traditional music called aguinaldos, which is Spanish Christmas carols. Listen, that eggnog will warm your bones. It will. It'll get you. Uh, Part seven, staples of Christmas. So many Christians around the world attend church or their places of worship on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Um, it's actually, besides Easter, I think it's the highest, like, church attendance date yeah. throughout the year. 
Um, nativity plays are really big. Uh, one of it's one of the oldest Christmas Christmas traditions starting in 1223 AD. Wow. What are some things you think about when you think of Christmas, just like in general? Oh gosh. Okay. Um, trees, mm-hmm. specifically evergreen trees. Um, mm-hmm. baking. So like Christmas cookies or other goodies and Santa and his elves and presents. And I'm trying not to get into like the religious parts of it and just think Mm -hmm. of like surface level. What do I think of? Um, ornaments, Christmas lights, at least here in the States over the top decorations (laughs) and eggnog. Um, peppermint i'm running out of things my joy you mentioned a lot of things i'm about to cover yay <laughs> do i get it i won't cover everything yes you get you get it do i get a prize you get my love <laughs> my christmas love yes um so lights all winter festivals dating back to antiquity have featured light in some kind of way yep. lightness in the dark yep the german tradition of using candles on christmas trees uh, Thomas Edison is credited with inventing the first light strand. Oh, good for him. And in 1882, Edward H. Johnson, who is Edison's business partner, created part. I don't know what I said. Edward H. Johnson, who is Edison's business partner, created colored lights. Ooh, that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Gingerbread. Oh, man, I miss gingerbread. I love gingerbread. I incorporated that with, like, the sweets and stuff. Okay, so gingerbread cool. houses became popular after the Brothers Grimm's uh, Hansel oh. and Gretel. Yeah, that is so much darker than what we were told. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. But it made gingerbread houses really popular <laughs> and attributed to Christmas time for some reason. I love gingerbread houses. So some different decorations. Uh, nativity scenes have existed since 10th yep. century Rome. Yeah. Different cultures have their own interpretations of the nativity mm-hmm. scene, from simple to extremely elaborate and ornate. Yeah. Christmas colors are considered red, green, and gold. Red symbolizes the blood of Christ. Okay. Green symbolizes eternal life. Okay. Like evergreen trees. Yep. Yep. And then gold is one of the three gifts of the Magi. That makes total sense. Yeah. And I don't know where um, silver came from for Christmas color. It wasn't mentioned in my source. that song that goes silver and gold. Gold. Silver Silver and gold. gold. Or silver bells. I don't know. Silver bells. So like I said, Christmas trees began being used by Germans in the 1500s. The Christmas star is thought to symbolize the star of Bethlehem. Uh Uh-huh. But other people will include an angel to represent the angels from the nativity story. Okay. Popular Christmas plants include the poinsettia from Mexico, which symbolizes the star of Bethlehem. Holly, mistletoe, red amaryllis, which I looked up amaryllis. It's a red flower. Okay. And Christmas cactus. Have you ever shot mistletoe out of a tree before? No. No. (laughs) <laughs> is is that country of me? Um, yes. That's, uh, so shit. Um, okay, so my dad used to take me to, uh, it's like around Mamaw Jimmy's old house. 
And he was like, here's a shotgun. <laughs> Shoot the tree till the mistletoe comes down. <laughs> and that's how you get mistletoe. You <laughs> At go. least that's how we got mistletoe. I don't think I've ever seen mistletoe in real life before. I've only seen like the decorations. It grows on trees and it mm-hmm. like grows in clumps at the very top. So th- legitimately the easiest way is like get a shotgun and shoot it and a big clump comes down. <laughs> That's funny. It's a lot of fun though. It sounds like a lot of fun. I've shot skeet before. Um, that's a little bit different than shooting mistletoe. Yeah, I mean, you are pointing the gun straight, not straight up, but, you know. Yeah. It's easier than skeet, so. Yeah, that's true, because it's stationary. And it stays there, <laughs> yeah. Um, other popular decorations include bells, candles, candy canes, stockings, wreaths, and angels. Yes. Music. Christmas hymns date back to 4th century Rome. What? Yeah. I don't know if any still exist to this day, but the the art of Christmas hymns dates back to 4th century. Holy shit! Right when Christmas started being celebrated. Oh my god. In the 9th and 10th centuries, rhymed stanzas began emerging in Christmas songs. In the 12th century, songs began to emerge that closer resemble modern Christmas carols. Okay. Christmas carols began to appear in English in 1426, most likely sung by a group of carolers. Traditional carols were folk songs like Good King Wenceslas, uh, and that dates back to the Middle Ages, and many are still sung today. O Come All Ye Fateful emerged in the mid-1700s. You mean to tell me, O come all ye faithful, all ye faithful. joyful it's from the mid 1700s. Oh shit! It's older than our country. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my god! Okay, carols became more popular among Lutherans uh, during the Protestant Reformation. Uh, Martin Luther himself wrote Christmas carols and encouraged them to be sung during worship. Again, the Germans don't play no, around. No, they are not. <laughs> they love Christmas. Wow, they're like the OG happy elves on Christmas. Yeah. Non-religious Christmas songs began coming into popularity during the late 1700s. The melody for Deck the Halls was written in 1794, but lyrics were added in 1862. Wow. I would not guess that that song is that old. I know. Wow. I think you covered this in your Thanksgiving episode, but Jingle Bells was written in 1857. Yeah. Yeah. In the, the 18 and 1900s, African-American spirituals and songs started becoming more popular. And We Wish You a Merry Christmas was written in the 1930s in England. There was one, I think it might be We Wish You a Merry Christmas, that was supposed to be like a, almost like a jingle for like a hotel or something like that. And that they, it's one song and it just turned out that it was so popular. They like made it into like a whole song. I mean, I could see that with We Wish You Merry Christmas because it's really repetitive. Yeah. I mean, it's literally, we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry, like over and over again. Good times. Um, And a happy yeah. Yeah. with you and your, so I can see how like that could start as a jingle and it's just so damn catchy that it just turns into like a whole thing yeah food 
food. Um, so I talked about like different culture, but this is kind of in a broad sense. Yeah. Um, different cultures have their own culinary customs. And we talked about like the fasting is really popular. Mm-hmm. Central Europe, fish. Yeah. Like your fish is really big on Christmas. It's kind of it kind of goes into like the idea of Lent as well. Okay. Like no meat during Lent because it's like a fast. So fish is eaten. And in the UK and countries influenced by the UK, large fowl, gravy, potatoes, vegetables, and bread are traditional. That's pretty much here. Yeah, I was about to say, that's pretty much here. We're greatly influenced by the the UK. Who'd have thought? (laughs) Gifts. Gifts. This tradition is based upon the Magi giving gifts to the Christ child in the Christian mythology. Gifts were also a thing during Saturnalia. But from what I saw, it's mostly, like, maybe Saturnalia, like, influenced a little bit, but it does seem, from what I researched, that gift-giving just kind of became a part of Christmas in and of itself. Okay. This was really interesting. So, Rolly B. Hall used fancy French envelope liners to wrap gifts after he ran out of tissue paper at his store. He and his brothers eventually founded the Hallmark Company, which is my next big wow. bullet point is cards. Oh, man. I didn't. You know what's crazy is I didn't even think about, like, the Hallmark movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. Yes. No, you're good. So cards. Cards, like, I, I said that the, the Christmas card was first invented, like, the late 1800s, but with, especially in the U.S., with the mail system becoming more prominent, postcards were all the rage. Yeah. People were writing letters and sending postcards everywhere. So in 1907, the Hall, three brothers, the Hall brothers, started the Norfolk Postcard Company in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And it can continue to grow and special. It started specializing in Christmas things, especially when Christmas cards started becoming really popular. Um, and especially after Rolly Hall created wrapping paper. Right. And it officially became the Hallmark Company in 1928. And it has been a pioneer for all things Christmas ever since. And I didn't go into a whole lot of detail about Hallmark. But we all know Hallmark. Yeah. It has a Christmas channel. It has all the cards. It has, like, the officially licensed. I've got, I mean, this isn't Christmas, but I have an officially licensed Hallmark, like, dancing chicken for Easter yeah. in my closet right well, now. Well, like, and if you... Like, think, if you don't know what, like, a Hallmark movie is, think of, um, you're, you're a big town, like, businesswoman in the city, and you go home for Christmas, and you fall in love with, uh, a dude that runs a Christmas tree farm. Or the baker. Or the small town lawyer that only wears blue jeans. Like, it just, (laughs) yeah. It's always a happy ending. It's always the big time person meeting the small town person during Christmas. And the small town person teaches the big town person about the true meaning of Christmas and love and snowflakes. And they always have snowflakes on their eyelashes. Yeah. No matter where they're at in the country. They could be in Los Angeles and it'll snow. Yeah. But mostly (laughs) they're in Vermont. Mostly. Somewhere in New England. Yeah, somewhere up there. So yeah, that's all I got about Hallmark. And finally, the last little section. Section eight. Capitalism. Capitalism. 
Since the mid-1800s, when Christmas started becoming more cemented in modern culture, people have complained that it is becoming more and more secular and that people are losing sight of the reason for the season. It's becoming way too commercialized. Yeah. According to a Gallup poll in 2019, 90% of Americans say they celebrate Christmas, but only 35% hold strong religious ties to the holiday. That is a very big gap. That's a huge gap. So it, Christmas is becoming a lot more secular. It's yeah. becoming a lot more, it's branching away from the religious origins that yeah. gave it to where it is now as the commercial juggernaut that it is. Yes. In the U.S. and Canada, the Christmas shopping season starts in October. Starts a bit later for our neighbors across the pond in the U.K. and Ireland, starting in mid-November after Remembrance Day, which is November 11th. Okay. In the U.S., it has been calculated that a quarter of all personal spending takes place during the Christmas or holiday shopping season. I'm sorry. What? A quarter? statistically... A quarter of all the spending you will do within one year takes place just during Christmas. Just on gifts. I mean, it ain't me. Not this year, (laughs) at least. Listen. They're not me either. Listen, these schools are bleeding me dry. Y'all are all getting sourdough loaves. (laughs) (laughs) You get a loaf of bread. I will will gladly (laughs) take a sourdough loaf. Especially since I think I killed my sourdough starter. Oh no! Rest, do you rest want, in peace, Brad. Do you want me to give you some of Dempsey the <laughs> Third? <laughs> Don't ask what happened to Dempsey one and two. It's not pretty. <laughs> Probably what happened to Brad. <laughs> you forgot to feed Brad, didn't you? For a really long time. Yeah. He's just hanging out in the back of my refrigerator right now. Get him out of there. <laughs> yeah. I need to end his suffering. Poor Brad. Um, okay. In 2019, the average adult was predicted to spend almost $1,000 on just Christmas gifts. I could see that. Yeah. And almost all businesses are closed on Christmas Day in the U.S. Wow. And that's the history of Christmas. Woo! Thank you for that. I learned so much. It, mostly that it's yeah. older than I thought. <laughs> I was not expecting it to be that old either. Yeah. I thought it really started coming becoming popular like during the medieval times, during the Middle yeah. Ages. And it really started, it was only like 330 years after the death of Jesus. Wow. That it started people, especially like Christians in Rome, were like, hey, let's start celebrating the birth of Jesus. Wow. So and now here we're, here we are. And I didn't even cover the biggest icon of Christmas. Because <laughs> that's going to be next week. Yeah. Emily's going to cover the history of Santa Claus. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus. Santa Claus come. Don't, don't copyright us. Don't copyright. <laughs> um, yeah. I had to literally scroll past so much stuff. Like. Because Santa is such an integral part of Christmas. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I'm not even looking at it because I don't want it to, like, influence. It would have been a two-parter episode if you had included all the Santa stuff, too. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, not even getting into different cultures, have different Santas, how America's Santa was pretty much created in Coca-Cola's image and, like, all this other stuff. 
wild. I'm also... But also the history of St. Nicholas as a person. Yeah. Very excited. I love Santa. I love Santa a lot. (laughs) Excuse me, you got a hiccup. And does your mom collect Santas? Um, concerningly so, yes. She has (laughs) problems. I wish I was lying, but I think she's got like a hundred Santas in her house. And I'm not exaggerating. We counted one year and we just keep getting her more because they make her happy. But don't walk through the house at night and make eye contact with any of them. (laughs) Now, she does have some really cool ones like handmade and um, some that are like collectors and a set i remember she's got little ceramic ones and they depict the different santas from different countries so like hungary and germany and all these other countries and they're like traditional saint nicholas like outfits and they look totally different than ours and i think they're they're some of my favorites and every night before bed i would rearrange all the santas when I was a kid. I don't know why, but I was like, well, you need to be here now. And I rearranged the nativity scene every night. Um, I think that, I don't know what that says about me, but little weirdo kid. But no, that's fine. Yeah. Mom collected Santas. And I have a tiny, tiny collection of nutcrackers. I knew, I, so that was when I was like, does your mom collect Santas? Because I know one of you guys collects Nutcrackers. It's me. And I was trying to remember. It's me. Yeah. You you are the Nutcrackers. My mom yeah. is starting to collect snowmen. Nice. She loves snowmen. I love snowmen, too. I'm just now starting to get Christmas decorations. <laughs> oh, always buy your Christmas decorations the day after Christmas when they're on sale. And then mm-hmm. you just put them in storage for the next year. Yep. And... Fun little personal Christmas fact. Uh, When we first moved into our house, we were so broke because we moved into our house mid-December. So we had like Mm. no money left from painting the house and moving and closing costs and all that kind of stuff. We did not have enough money to buy a Christmas tree topper for our first Christmas tree. And a Christmas tree was the first piece of like furniture that made it into the house. We like bought a Christmas tree and set it up before we even had couches. Like we had nothing (laughs) in this house and we didn't have enough money for a Christmas tree topper, but I had some leftover ribbon from God knows what. So I literally tied this big, massive, like 10 looped bow and just put it at the top of the tree and We liked it so much. I have looked for other Christmas tree toppers. I'm still using that bow. We it's just turned into like a thing now that I like made a topper for free because we had no money, and now we're all just like, yeah, that's our topper now. We like it. That's a really sweet story. So cute. I know. Um, I really like that. Thanks. Now, I did marry, I feel like this is a normal thing in a relationship. I married the Grinch, truly. (laughs) 
he is kind of grinchy. He is very <laughs> grinchy. And he came in the other day and I had, without telling him, because I'm home all day, set up all of our Christmas stuff, minus a Christmas tree, because we go get that as a family. I wouldn't dare go pick one out without him. Yeah. And he came in and after like 30 minutes, he hadn't said anything. And I was like, you, uh, you're not going to say anything. It's like two days before Thanksgiving and I have the Christmas stuff up. Are you not going to say anything? He said, I was just going to leave that alone. (laughs) He was just defeated. He was like, fuck it. (laughs) Just set him up. I think I've worn him down enough. Is Kyle a Grinch? No. He's a big Christmas guy. Can you imagine him being a Grinch about anything? Literally, no. He's basically a golden retriever as a human. Yeah. I think, so, I I like Christmas. I do not get quite as excited about it every year. Yeah. Again, like, I, I, I like Christmas. I like spending time with my family. I'm probably a little bit more Grinchy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably the Grinch in the relationship. Everybody's got like, one. I mean, I set up all. Of, I think it's me because um, I start getting grouchy during the holiday season because it's getting colder and it's dark, yeah. and I just want to hide in my cave and eat all my food and not see anyone. <laughs> That's totally fair. But here, here I am looking at like the bright side of things. If it's cold outside, that means I can curl up under a blanket and snuggle better. And mm-hmm. if it's cold outside, I breathe better, which is just a fun little fact that my lungs suck. And uh, let's see what else. It's like I just there's so much I love. It. Mostly, I think I just like the way my house looks when it's all decorated. So it's just like I walk around all day just smiling at my decorations. Yeah. And then the kids. No, it's very sweet. The kids definitely add a different level to it because they get so excited. It's infectious. Yeah. I was actually talking about that with one of my colleagues today. Like, you know, the youngest person in our family is 22. Yeah. Like, we don't have any kids in our family yet. And I think, like, my mom... You know, we grew up in poverty, and now that my mom, you know, she is a lot more independent. She has an amazing job, and the kids are out of the house, so she's, like, got all this money. She's been making up, in her words, this is not me. Like, I don't really care about all the gifts and stuff, but she has been, like, giving us so many gifts for the past couple Christmases. She was like, I can finally give you everything that you could possibly want. I'm like... <laughs> I love your mom Thank so you, much. mama. I know. She just, like, she just sits there and she just has, like, this, like, like goblin grin <laughs> on her face. And she's like, hey, you're going to open my present. <laughs> I love... There's nothing better than the feeling of, like, someone, like... Either someone or, like, your children opening a present you know that they're going to love. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I got an advent calendar a couple years ago, and it's, like, you put in your own thing. And it's got little pockets, but I let the kids move the little Christmas tree from, like, one pocket to another. And every year I have wrapped presents with the date on it. So every day they get one new little thingy-madoodle. And it's mostly fidget toys and coloring books and markers and uh, candy and other random stuff. 
But just the joy of seeing them get something that I spent a dollar on, it, it's just, mm-hmm. it's unreal. They get so excited. And every year it's like... You need to wrap like... What? Go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You need to wrap like their favorite fruit or something. Like remake that. It's an avocado. It's an avocado. Video. Oh my God. Oh, I should. <laughs> that is so cute. I mean, this year I even wrapped, now that they're a little older, I wrapped some books for them so we can read as a family. And now I do want to wrap up like ridiculous a things banana like a banana. Something. You obviously know that's a banana. <laughs> I bet I bet your son would get a kick out of it. Oh. Your daughter probably would too. They they have the best sense of humor. Also, she's been walking around calling people butt cheeks, so <laughs> this four year old cute little thing walking up, she's like, You're a butt cheek <laughs> Or You're a weirdo <laughs> She's the best. <laughs> that is so funny. You're a butt. I'm just imagining like her tiny little four year old voice. You're oh, and there's cheek. an eye squint and everything. You're a butt cheek. Like, <laughs> well, and uh, my son is so into Minecraft right now. I don't understand half the things coming out of his mouth. I don't even know how to turn the Xbox on and get it onto Minecraft, let alone he's making like pickaxes and killing iron golems, whatever those are. Good for you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) You've already outsmarted your mom. (laughs) Kit, like, I think kids make Christmas that just that much more magical and not much more special because they take such delight in the smallest things yeah it's hard to yeah yeah it's it's hard it's to, hard to yeah. reproduce in other areas besides like birthdays and i'm not gonna lie since having the kids i think nick is less bah humbug just because mm. it is so much fun i think he's hiding some of it like he doesn't want to like it so much but he does he he's a reluctant Scrooge. Yeah. yeah. He's like putting on a front. So I don't like Christmas. But then when it's all up, I really like this. It looks good in here. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lot of fun. Yeah. The kids are so happy. Thank you for my gift. <laughs> and he does an excellent job. PSA to all you guys out there, make sure your wives, girlfriends, whatever, have stuff in their stocking. He does a great job of my stocking every year. It's always good. Very good. Yeah. Do you have any, like, weird Christmas traditions? So when I was a kid, my family used to live, my grandparents lived out on a lake. And during the winter time, that lake would be drained. So it was just muddy, and the lake was mostly gone, and my family would shoot skeet. It's a good tradition. Out onto the, the dry yeah. lake. My <laughs> grandparents, like, my family loves seafood, so we've had a few, like, seafood Christmases that were really yummy. Like, my papa, he 
can make anything, yeah. any kind of seafood. I think one year we had shark for Christmas. What? Like he had gone to New York, caught a thresher shark, <laughs> and then brought it home and we ate it. What? <laughs> for Christmas. But beyond that, I don't think like it was pretty yeah. typical. Like in the morning, we would all wake up. My grandma would make us French toast, but she did that like every morning that we stayed the night at my grandparents' house. We would open presents. We would have lunch. We would like watch Christmas movies and just yeah. hang out as a family. The older, the adults would go shoot skeet. I was allowed to when I was 10 and I about threw my shoulder <laughs> out because I was 10 years old and I had a giant yeah. shotgun. Yeah. And when I, I mean, I hit the thing. Hey, good for you. You hit the thing. But I about dislocated my shoulder doing it. I was like, all right, I'm good. I don't need to shoot this again. <laughs> I remember my, my, uh, we would shoot a few times when we were up at the cabin. And I remember being like my son's age and, and he's six now. And my dad's like, there's a Coke can. Here's a pistol that I can ha- hardly even hold up. And he's like, you can shoot. He had to like, Help me hold the gun up. It's like, I, I think I'm too young for this, but this is fun. <laughs> the kickback didn't knock you in the head? No. No, it actually, I was a pretty good shot till my eyesight went to shit. Yeah. There you go. Um, but no, on Christmas, my bedroom was the only one downstairs in the house that I grew up in. And I would, my bedroom was right next to the living room. At any given moment, I could just wake up and walk into the living room and not once did I. I would always run up the stairs and tackle my brother and then the two of us would tackle mom and dad and we would have to wait at the bottom of the stairs until dad shoved his contacts back into his eyeballs and then we were able to go to the living room. I never peeked. I was a rule follower. Look at you. <laughs> Ooh. Um, I just remembered this because uh, it hasn't happened in a really long time. But when I was a little kid, um, I think my they stopped this when I was like five or six. But when I was really little, my papa would get up on the roof like early Christmas morning and he would stomp around and shake jingle bells <laughs> to make it sound like Santa and his reindeer oh, were up on the roof. The level of just commitment. Mm-hmm. I love your papa. I really do. <laughs> I do too. And I think I think one year he probably about fell and he stopped doing it after that cuz back in when we were kids it actually snowed yeah. uh, on Christmas. But I stopped I don't even know how it happened. But I kind of stopped believing in Santa and then it just kind of yeah. stopped. That kind of stuff. Like my papa was always like Santa for Christmas. Right. Like he was always a person that hand, had to hand out all the gifts. Yeah. Like, no one else could hand out a gift unless it was, like, a really personal gift, like like a husband to a wife right. or vice versa. But he had to give the kids all the gifts. I love that. My, uh, my mama, was it mama and papa would, they always had, like, an extra gift to the other one. And they would always sign it, like, to Jimmy that was my mamaw, or to Vance, my papaw. And they would always write from Sandy Claus in the gift. And we were, on Thanksgiving, we were looking through one of the old cookbooks, and it said to, to Jimmy from Sandy Claus in it. So you knew that was from papaw. That's really it was cute. super cute. That's really, that's really <laughs> cute. 
Who'd have thought my family would be sentimental? I know. Um, all right. So we are over an hour and a half. So yeah, I was about to say we should wrap this up. (laughs) Wrap some things up. So follow us on Instagram at ill equipped history. Mm -hmm. We have a Facebook group and page. Um, you can look up ill equipped history. I don't even really know what the difference is between them, but Uh, I trust the page is like, uh, is an entity like, like you have a page and like I have a page and then like it has a, a page. And so like when you comment and stuff, you're acting as ill equipped history and not like individually us. And then we're oh, now okay. part the group is more of like I don't know, I guess more discussion y. We have a TikTok yes. at ill equipped history. We have a Gmail if you have recommendations or suggestions you'd like to make, illequippedhistory at gmail.com. And we have a Patreon. For $1 a month, you get a shout out and a sticker. And for $5 a month, you get all of those and access to monthly bonus content. So we're going to play a little tiny snippet of this month's bonus episode right now. Yeah. And can you imagine going from like being like, an aristoc- aristocrat. I almost said aristocrat, like the movie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> aristocrat. I love that movie. Um, to like having nothing and everything hinging. So she was like, uh, shit, I need to get some money. What do I do? So she worked super hard to get her invention off the ground because she needed the financial support. Mm-hmm. Um, so. This was so hard. I I cannot, words cannot explain how hard this was for a woman at this time to have no male help at all in her life and to invent something and then get it patented and then manufacture and sell the thing. It was nearly impossible mm-hmm. because like, you know, the lady with the Dr. June, um, I'm calling her Dr. June. With the road lines, everyone's like, no, you're a woman. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. But on December 31st of 1885, so about two years after her husband died, she filed her first patent. She then went on to build the first model in her shed behind her house with the help of George Butters, who was a mechanic. His name was Butters. And... Uh, George would go on to be one of the first employees in the dishwasher factory in the future, which I think is really nice. Yeah. So she took, she took care of her own. Wasn't that so much fun to listen to? Don't you want to hear more? Subscribe to our Patreon and you have access to not only this month's episode, but all of our previous bonus episodes and all of our future bonus episodes and... If our lives calm down a little bit, we may even start introducing some more bonus content if it's possible. (laughs) We're trying, y'all. The ambition is the ambition is high. The reality is limited. (laughs) Turns out, kids take up a lot of time. Yeah, jobs like full time jobs. Those take up a lot of time too. Kids and jobs. jobs. Oh, man. Okay. I think I covered everything.
Can you like and share us and comment and review and tell us things? Um, If there's an episode you think a friend would like, send it to them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually seeing if we have any reviews right now. Last I saw, we only had two ratings, but no reviews. We have six. We have six ratings. We have a perfect five stars out of six ratings. And on September 28th, someone uh, said, Emus, you gals are hilarious. (laughs) Thank you. That's still. Thank you. Um, Yeah. SK Morris 007. That is still one of my favorite episodes. So thank you. (laughs) So unhinged. Yes. If you want to check out. Another episode. Check out the, our War on the yeah. Emus episode. It's it's probably one of the more unhinged yeah. episodes we have. That's not a bonus between episode. that one and um, Rue Waddell. Those mm-hmm. are my two most unhinged episodes that I've hosted. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of. I mean, just between the two of us, like, being in person and the crackhead energy that emanated from yeah. that episode. <laughs> this is why this is why the universe thinks we should live apart. It couldn't handle us together all the time. Gosh. <laughs> Could you imagine? I was just thinking, <laughs> we wouldn't be able to get anything done. No! Could you imagine if we had, like, one cohesive studio, like a lot of these other podcasts do? Maybe in the future. That would be really awesome. Yeah. But also, we would need a manager to keep us on track. Yeah. And probably an editor. Yeah. <laughs> someone like, just to be like, all the editing. actually stay on topic. Like, <laughs> No. No, I You won't. are going to deal with our squirrel brains. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we need to go. Yes. We're getting closer to the two-hour mark, so we will release oh, you God. guys. Yes. Love you. Love you. Merry okay, Christmas. bye. Merry Christmas. Okay, bye. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.